salvation. Uh, let's throw these words up there, John. I'm coming. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be flying through it. Uh, this is not a primary text, but this is a lead in. Matthew chapter 4. This is the idea of this gospel of salvation. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. And then the word of God says, for they, what's the next word, saints? That's right, were. Notice the salvation here. Were, past tense. Were fishermen. 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. For I will make you fishers of men. Because once they left the nets and followed this gospel of salvation, we see Jesus high and glorified. We see that he's more than a rabbi. He's Like 
Peter said, take on the very characteristics of God. In other words, we begin first dimension faith. We believe miracles. God does miracles internally. He, he changes us. Somebody pops off at us at school, we don't pop back. Your parents say something, you know, smarty, and you don't pop back. That's a miracle because you wanted to, you know, you wanted to backslap somebody, right? And you were you were ready to let it go. You 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 said there's one cheek, there's two cheek, here comes a hammer. Right? That's it. You know, you
the gospel kingdom, you say, you know what? I don't want you to be number one. I want you to be the only one. Hello, Valentine's Day. <laughs> so then you move into this gospel of the kingdom. You move into this marriage. And when you're in the marriage, then all of a sudden there's this oneness. And one leaves and you begin to do life together. And everywhere you go is an adventure because life is better together than Bye. 
then so when you don't go, you get frustrated, you get angry, you begin, you, or, or you do go, and you go right with that, ugh, do all things without complaining and grumbling, Philippians 2.13, and then I, I go complaining and grumbling. I'll go, God. My answer is to do good stuff. Robert gets to play the keyboard and sing. I can't sing. I can't even sing Kumbaya.
This is what the Lord showed me. This is why we're going to invest in the greatness of God. This is why sermons are going to be on the great. This is where we walk in and we say, this is how big and great and good God is. So we become more satisfied in Him and the hope of the promises that He gives us and the fulfillment of every promise, then our lives will be transformed. The answer is this. Regardless of where I am and what is going around me, it is the greatness of God that will motivate me to get the Lord. That's what the Lord showed me. And I wanted to use a type of phrase, the greatness of God. It's the greatness of God. Now I know theologically it's the Holy Spirit. I got it. But if the Holy Spirit will work when I see the greatness of God. Because the Holy Spirit always lifts up Jesus, and Jesus always lifts up so I looked at this. The battlefield for Christians is this. Now here's what I want to ever said. I'm going to get you ready for your nugget. This is it. This is the word. This is your point. This is how we're going to do it. The fight for joy is the fight to see. And today I'm going to ask you to see the greatness of God. Today I'm asking God to show you the greatness of himself. I know he's already done that on the cross. I know we're going to get to this. This is so powerful. In other words, I struggle. If I could only see the outcome or what the outcome would look like, then I could hang in there. If I only knew how the ending of the story that God was writing in me, then, I, then only then could I hang in there. See, I, I want to visually see things. We are visual people. But Piper made a point in the spirit. Seeing is valuing God through the eyes of the heart and the ears of the head. Let me say it again. Seeing according to God is seeing this way. It's valuing God through the eyes of the heart and the ears of the head. Because scripture teaches us, he said, there's more than one kind of hearing. Look at Matthew 13, 13. It'll be up here. Matthew 13, 13 says this. Jesus said this. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not want saints. So in other words, we're humans, we look with our eyes and God says, that is not how faith, gospel, kingdom works. This is how gospel, kingdom works. God speaks to our heart, you will hear a word behind you, Isaiah. This is the way of walking it, and you go step into this mess. That is seeing God. This is how you see God in the Christian faith. You do not see God in a visual God even told us in the Torah that nobody can see God in them. So in other words, this is how we see. This is how we see. The point of today is this, is that if we can see the greatness of God in our hearts and by the ears on our heads, then we can learn to value God more than we value what's happening around us. That will motivate us to do great things. The Lord, it's just so rich to see this. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. And in the gospel of the kingdom, in Christianity, this is the way we see. When we say the word see, when I'm talking about a visual, even though there might be some external miracles that we do see, but before we see those external miracles, we will always see them with the eyes of our heart and the ears on our hands. The difference the Bible describes, he said, is that we have two kinds of eyes. Eyes of the heart and eyes of the head. Look at the battle. Right? The flesh wages war against the spirit. 1 John 2.16 says this. 
cravings of sinful man, and then he says it's this. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's what we see. It's what we want. The, that becomes our eyes. It's whatever we can see. That's like we, we love watching TV or YouTube or, or whatever it is on Facebook. We love the visual. That's why pictures are so powerful because it engages the scene, the, the actual sense of seeing. And God says, I'm going to engage the spirit inside you. And that is how you see it. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 2 says it this way. Son of man, you are living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are rebellious people. And what I'm saying is this. So what makes me blind, Lord? What makes me blind? And the answer, I told about his answer, the Holy Spirit was showing me, the answer is idolatry. The answer for me, not to see the greatness of God, is idolatry. So I get into the kingdom of God, and everything is falling apart, right? You go to school, you don't have money, or you have a job, or whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, I, I begin to feel sorry for John and say, God, I need more. I want more. I need this. I need that. And the presence of God is not as valuable as me getting the stuff that I can see in this world. That's idolatry. I become my God. So I become an idol. And that's, that's when you can't see God. That's when you begin to get bitter. That's when you begin to get frustrated. That's when you begin to question God. It's, it's when I place me over the greatness of God. Because if I see the greatness of God, I'm drawn more and more and more and more to His presence. When you taste it, you can't get it out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? Isaiah 55. Come to me all. Come to me and buy wine without cost. Buy milk without cost. Buy all this bread without money. Come to me. I got it. So what makes me blind? Idolatry. Psalm 135, 15-18. Check this out. The idols of the nation are silver and gold. Made by the hands of men. Verse 16. I love this. This is the answer. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Then look, here's the answer. Here's why I can validate scripture. Why I'm telling you what causes me not to hear with my heart, uh, or hear with my ears, and, and hear with my heart. This is what causes me not to hear. You can sit in here and not even feel the presence of God. And this is why, verse 18, those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. If you make an idol, you'll be just like it. You will not be able to hear with your ears, and you will not be able to feel it in your hearts. That will hinder us from seeing the greatness of God and walking in the kingdom. It will always be called. I need to be better at Christ. I need to be more or, you know, at worst, we'll live in the gospel salvation. I'm saved. I'm just living my life. Waiting on death's door, and then I'll be called. So when you live in the gospel kingdom, you're going, God, I want to give you glory. And if I'm sick, it's about giving you glory. If, it's, if something bad happens, it's about giving you glory. If something good happens, it's about giving you glory. The question for me is not, God, will you heal me? God, will you make me better? God, will you do this for me? The question is, that God, will you glorify yourself with what you just gave Changes everything. But idolatry says, I can't, I can't even ask you to think that way because I can't see it. <coughs> All I can see and feel is why me. So he said this if your hearts and affections are warmed by these things, then we are in trouble. Listen to what he says. 
ourselves to, then we are troubled. They compress the void in our heart into shapes like toys. If my wife is my idol, are y'all tracking me? I want to speak to y'all for a second. Are you tracking me? If my wife is my idol, then the void in my heart that drives me to God, if that is my idol, then the void in my heart takes the shape of Lynette, and only Lynette can feel that shape, because God can't feel that. That was really deep. <laughs> Whatever you desire more than God, that is what the, the void in your heart is meant for God. That becomes its shape. So if you want a man more than anything else, then the void in your life is in the shape of a man. It's not in the shape of God. That's why God will never feel it. Amen. Talk to somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody. Whatever that void is, takes the shape of your affection. So if the affection is me, then the shape is me. And you can't take the greatness of God and fill it in such a tiny shape as me. It just, it's like a square peg in a round hole. That's really good stuff. So he goes on to say, but in this readiness to receive pleasure from things, we are ill-shaped in Christ. He seems unreal, unattractive. The eyes of our hearts go dull because the only shape that will fill the void that's a God-shaped void, the only shape will fill it is the idol that I conform to be. So what do I do when my heart is not back to the greatness of God or the greatness of this world? What do I do when my heart is not back to the greatness of God or the greatness of this world? Robbie Gordon, wherever you are, don't mind, just don't blame somebody. Play out and out from Terry. I here we go. Uh, let's look at Revelation 3, 17 and 18. Here we go. This is good. Y'all ready? We're going to spend some time with the Lord. We're going to say, God, reshape the void that only you can feel. I'm going to ask you to have him shape the void in the shape of a cross more than a scholarship, more than a ring, more than uh, success, more than fame, more than glory. I know there's only one void that can be, that can be filled, uh, and that's what Jesus feels in, but it has to be in his shape. Because I know this, God will not be mocked. And God will not be manipulated. Revelation 3, 17 and 18 says this. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. and do not need a thing. You know something like that. But you do not really realize that you are wretched, pitiful, See, the shape of their heart is a dollar bill. And so the dollar bill fits nicely in that puzzle piece. But here's what happens. When we stand with that puzzle piece filled in front of God, there is a greater void that we have, and it's Jesus and his greatness, the very righteousness of God, and that money will not make us righteous, no matter how much you give away.
counting the buy from the gold refined in the fire, so you will become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And listen to this. I love this part. And sad. I'm getting to that context of, of where they're talking about the Odyssey, but I, I'm not going to. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So who is the salve? His name is Because it's got a great beat, right? It doesn't matter what the language says about it. 
Your job is not to try and get well now. Your job is not trying to get that job. 